Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, and my guest this week is Melissa Wildermuth, Global Creative Director at General Mills. In a world where the news is constantly bad, a raging war in Ukraine, an ongoing pandemic, and children being murdered at school, leading with empathy is more important than ever. Wildermuth knows this well. Instead of leading her team, which spans the company's storied snack brands, with ego and expertise first, she takes a flexible, empathetic approach that democratizes creativity and allows team members to come up with bold ideas. In this episode, Wildermuth discusses her leadership style and how it impacts creativity at General Mills, as well as when and how brands can weigh in on societal issues. She also addresses the recent school shooting in Texas and how she is responding with her team. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Allison. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be able to talk to you on what is, I think, such a sad day for, for all of us in America. Yeah, I mean, I would I think we would both be remiss if we didn't start out by addressing uh, the school shooting that happened in Texas on Tuesday. Uh, it's absolutely awful. And um, as somebody who is leader of a brand and the leader of a team, I'm, get, I'm, I'm wondering how you're processing all of this and also just personally how you're how you're dealing with this as you go about your your day today. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's um, it's so incredibly heartbreaking, and I think so many people are struggling, kind of, to find the words that help express the grief and anger that you know that I I know we all feel. I think as a as a leader, it's really hard because I think you want to. I did send out a note to my team this morning. You know, my team. Um, is really diverse. And there are parents on there. There are single people on there. Um, There are people that, you know, don't all live in Minneapolis, which is where General Mills is based. Um, There are people of different, um, you know, ethnicities and race and backgrounds and ages. And, and yet, you know, an episode, like an incident like that, I think just kind of unites us all in, in grief and rage. And I think, you know, it's up to all of us more than anything to take care of each other in an environment like this and to watch out for one another and to give each other grace. And that's really what I'm trying to do. I think it's easy to um, work and become very inconsequential very quickly and, and rightfully so. And I think it's everyone experiences grief and anger in a different way. And so I do think, um, Grace is so important in this and really just empathizing with your colleagues and your friends and your family to allow them the space and the care to be able to process it, you know, on their own. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, what you said about like work feeling inconsequential at a time like this is so true, right? Like how do we pretend to care about marketing and all of these things that seem so trivial when children are, are being murdered in, in schools. I mean, exactly, exactly. And I think just, you know, I think having acknowledging that and not just getting on to the next thing and, you know, work is always there. It is always there. And so giving each other the space and, and really the care, I think, you know, there is something about, we spend so much of our lives at work and I just, I, you know, I always think about the thing that like motivates me and impacts me always is the care that I feel and the care that I'm able to give for others. And the work then just becomes work. And it's great when you can make an impact through marketing 
It's great when your brands can make people's lives better. But in the end, we're all people and we're all people kind of just trying to do our best. And yeah. and I think watching out for each other is so important in, in on days like this, but also on good days, you know, on good days when things are fine. Because I, I think the thing that I've learned, you know, even just through COVID is all of us are dealing with something. We are. We're, it could be a loved one that's struggling. It could be a worry that doesn't go away. It could be just this feeling of dread of all the news in the world that continues to feel bad. And I think having kind of the openness to understanding that and the patience, I think, you know, we're, we live in a very fast paced environment. If you think of just marketing in and of itself, of just even performance marketing, right? That is an increased velocity and an increased speed. And I think patience is so needed when you care for one another. And, and I, and I know for myself, I have to remind myself of that because we're just all moving you know, so fast. Yeah. Well, General Mills, like you said, is based in Minneapolis and we're coming up on that anniversary of, of George Floyd's murder. Um, how does that sort of specifically impact you and your team and how you're processing what happened this week in Texas? Yeah. You know, it's, it's so, you know, we woke up this, this morning and, and as you and I are talking, you know, it's, it's, it's Wednesday and, you know, we're, we're understanding more of what happened in Texas. We're also, recognizing that today is the second anniversary of his murder. And, you know, where General Mills is, to your point, we are in Minneapolis. George Floyd was murdered less than 15 miles away from our headquarters, less than 15 miles away from my home. Um, and I think what what we were able to do is, you know, I, I, I so appreciate General Mills because, I you know, we are a company that's based in Midwest. And I, I think a lot of times the the impression that you know people have of Midwest companies is, hey, we're a Midwest company. We work really hard. You know, we're there time to time. But I, I love General Mills so much, and the reason that I have stayed is because it is so progressive when it comes to inclusion. Right. And you know, I, I think the murder of George Floyd was an opportunity for us to really realize that we ourselves need to do better. And so we ended up actually making three formal public commitments in the area of diversity and equity and inclusion. And those were around one equity and food access. You know, if you look at food insecurity and we're a huge food company, food insecurity still disproportionately impacts communities of color. So how do we help in that area? We talked, we, um, we committed to equity and education, our box tops platform, which is box tops for education has been around since the 90s. We've given nearly $1 billion to schools. Um, but we really have now a renewed focus on creating greater equity in education for kids of color so they can reach their full potential. And then our third, our third commitment was really around equity and representation. And that really was around our own workforce and ensuring, one, that we double the representation of our Black managers. We increase our overall representation of minorities to 25%. And then we double our spending with minority-owned suppliers. And I think, you know, I think these commitments have been, I, I think, very motivating for our employees. I also would say it's starting to trickle down, you know, to some of our brands. And our brands are actually taking action. Brands that really, really have the right to and are very purpose-led. And we're always, we're always in this area. So if you think of, like, Wheaties, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and Wheaties has been around, you know, forever. In fact, this year... Wheaties is celebrating its 100th anniversary. Um, 
you know, which is which is pretty incredible. And and they've been really on a journey over the last few years to really transform into an empowering platform to really inspire the next generation of champions. Um, And I love that because I think for a while we just focused on athletes that just crushed it in their sport. Mm-hmm. And what we've really tried to do is say, okay, we want we want athletes that are crushing it in their sport. We also want athletes that are doing amazing things off the court, off the field. And, you know, we've, we've partnered with Black athletes starting back with Jackie Robinson in 1949. And almost half of the 850-plus athletes we featured on the box are Black. Um, and as, the, you know, the fight for racial justice continues to come to the forefront in in you know, and, and be more proactive than it has, you know, has been in some time. I think we're looking at athletes that can, that represent that and have a point of view in that, you know, Serena Williams um, is a, is a person that we, you know, we partnered with last year, this year, as we celebrate the hundredth anniversary, we've partnered with Muhammad Ali's family um, as well as Michael Jordan. We have another, we have another athlete that we're going to release this summer, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that team and of that work because it, it, I think continuing to promote racial justice and support athletes that are trying to make our lives better mm-hmm. and not just entertain people through their sport is, is a pretty incredible opportunity to be able to support. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it sounds like both from a internal talent perspective and the brand perspective, like General Mills is you know, pushing, pushing on the diversity front. And I know for you, um, you know, kind of trying to like circle back to what we were talking about in, in Texas and sort of how you lead through, through these sorts of topics and these contexts that we're living through, right? Like how do you lead a team and lead a brand, um, in a world where the news is scary and you could, you feel like you could get shot just walking outside your yeah. door into the supermarket. Like talk about your leadership style and how that translates, um, you know, into the, the creative that, that you oversee. Yeah, no, I, you know, I've, I've, I've thought a lot about just kind of how I lead and how I naturally lead. And I, and I think, you know, for me, for me, I really feel like the mo the, the genuine me, and the me where I'm able to make the biggest impact is by leading with empathy versus expertise. And when I and when I say that, and by the way, that took me a long time to get comfortable with that because I I I feel like when you are put into a quote unquote leadership role, wherever that is, and whatever level that is in an organization, I think there is an extreme pressure to show and prove that you are the expert. You were, you know, you were a lot of times promoted on your expertise and then you get in there and you're like, God, I got to show what, like, I know what I'm doing. And I will tell you, I mean, I, I have massive imposter syndrome still in so many situations. I'm like, how the heck am I in this role? And are people looking, looking to me for the answer? <laughs> I mean, that's true. And I, I've always said, like, I'll never be the smartest person in the room, but I do think I can read a room really well and I can empathize with people. And I, and I, and I think that, when you lead with empathy versus expertise, I think it shows up differently. So I think you automatically walk into a room with a curiosity to learn more. You don't walk in thinking, I got the answers to this. You really want to learn more and understand. Mm -hmm. I think that you, when it comes to creativity, I very much believe that creativity is a team sport. 
and then no one individual is responsible for an idea. I actually think that's kind of impossible. I think ideas, mm-hmm. the best ideas are built upon, and that requires multiple voices, multiple perspectives. And then I think if you're not, if you're not the expert, I think you have to empower people and you are forced to ask for help. And I think there's really no better way to make someone feel valued than to ask for their help. I know that when a leader has asked for my help, I didn't look at them like, oh, God, they don't know what they're doing. I, you know, instead, I was so honored that they thought I could, mm-hmm. could, could contribute something. You know, they thought I could bring value. So, so I, you know, I love that. And I think when it comes to creativity, creativity to me is really just the ability to problem solve. And, and solving problems, in my mind, doesn't require as much smarts as it does understanding. You know, how does that problem make you feel? What help do you need in solving it? So I think empathy is so important in not only producing creativity, but in building a culture of creativity. Yeah, it's a very different approach, right, than the typical, like, dominant creative leader. Yes. Takes credits for all the ideas and, and kind of wins in. all the awards. Yeah, comes in and like saves the day. And you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, thank God they approved it or they blessed it or they built on it, you know? And and I I just, I've never, one, I don't believe I could do that. Um, and two, I've never, I've never thrived in an environment like that. You know, I've never thrived mm-hmm. in an environment where one person was kind of the savior. And I, and like I said, I just, I just don't think that's how, ideas are built, you know, ideas are built on movements and ideas are built on collaboration and people coming together. Um, Mm -hmm. And the way that I've set up my team, you know, I've set up my team too, so that they can be experts. So, so the, I, I lead a creative team centrally at Jenner Mills and we support, we support brands, you know, around the globe. Um, But my, the ideas and I have an ideas and partnerships team I have, um, we manage our agency roster. I have idea development leads that really help champion and develop ideas and help push them through the organization. And then I have um, two um, production teams. And, you know, if I look at the way that I've tried to organize the idea team in the partnerships team is not by brand. And so, and we made that change a couple of years ago. And I, I will tell you, it, it unlocked so much creativity for us and brought their expertise front and center. So rather than not being organized by brand, they're organized by cultural pillar. So I have people mm. responsible for entertainment, people responsible for fashion, music, sports, food, which is obviously huge given we're a food company. Um, and I love that because it allows them to shine as experts and really compliment and support the brands, I think, in a meaningful way. Yeah. Talk about um, how that, give an example of how that has like unlocked a different type of creativity. To me, it sort of sounds like, you know, it makes perfect sense. Like if you're intimidated and and you feel like you're, you know, for lack of a better word, like stupid, right? Compared to the expert, then you're not going to be as bold in your thinking. So talk about how you've unleashed new types of thinking and, and boldness. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, so I love, you know, I, again, if you think about creativity as really solving problems, I think sometimes that can be intimidating because I think sometimes you feel the pressure to solve big global societal problems like climate change or hunger. And, and, and those are obviously super important. And I think brands can play a meaningful role. I also think brands can play 
a really meaningful role in everyday problems. So I think of Totino. So, so someone on our team is responsible for gaming. Okay, she is an amazing expert and she's actually not, she's actually not, she would tell you like, well, I'm not really the person that's going to be gaming a ton of my weekends, but she has, she has learned, she, she's, she's bought consoles. Like she knows now the ins and outs of gaming and not only gaming, but gamers and how they think and what they need. And so, you know, Totino's pizza rolls for the last number of years have really been active in the gaming space, you know, including most recently, they partnered with FaZe Clan to produce a content series that highlighted the launch of Totino's Pizza Roll Minis. Um, And we love this because we have, you know, we have shared audiences that love this and can actually make it meaningful. And and I, I, I can't give you the specifics yet, but I will tell you, we are launching a new flavor this summer that is completely centered around gamers. And there are so my point is there are so many problems to solve just above and beyond a promotion. Cause like what to eat while gaming, <laughs> if you were a gamer, that is actually a legit problem because you can't eat like sticky, messy stuff. Right. Cause it just, right. inter- it, it interferes with your game. So like, I love it because I think this example of, okay, we're going to come up with a flavor and we're going to put it in a pizza roll that actually makes it so easy for gamers to eat. Those are small everyday problems that when solved, like make whatever experience you're participating in that much better. And, mm-hmm. I, and I truly don't think that Kelly is the woman on my team. I don't think we would have gotten to these kind of ideas um, without Kelly, without Lisa, without Katie. I could just keep on naming them. Um, without them all thinking about, you know, how, how do they how do we best solve the problems and really understand the true legit problems and needs um, without kind of that deep dive on that expertise? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think that, you know, creative organizations, which tend to be so hierarchical and this is true of agencies too, like what are they missing by taking that approach? Like where does empathy and, and putting away the ego really like help in, in these situations? Well, I do. I mean, I think I think to me, I think one of the biggest things that can help with empathy is diversity. Mm. And, and I think, you know, so I think about I think about my team, which is the creative team. I have eight managers reporting into me. By the way, I always say I work for them. They don't work for me. But I have eight managers reporting into me of those eight. Seven of them are women. And we have diversity that goes beyond gender, you know, extends into race, sexual orientation and how people identify themselves. And 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 I think, you know, if you think diversity in creativity, I think is so important because it was interesting. I was listening to a TED talk. It's from Susan David, a psychologist. I don't know if you are familiar with her, but I was listening to this TED talk and it was actually pre-pandemic. And she talked about how life's beauty is linked to life's fragility. And, you know, in other words, you don't need to, ex- you don't experience beauty unless you experience the ugliness, the hardship. And to me, that is the foundation of creativity. And the only mm. way that you can do that well, that you can feel that dichotomy is if you have diverse representation on your team. Otherwise you are having all the same problems and experiencing them all the same way. And so yeah. I think about, you know, if you if your job in being creative is to help deliver joy, right? We talk about solving problems and delivering joy. That is the spirit of creativity. 
you have to have a great sense of the hardship and sorrow to deliver that joy. I firmly believe that. And so I think if you if you don't have that diversity of thought and diversity of experience, that experiences, again, that dichotomy of life's beauty, life's fragility, life's joy, life's sorrow, I think it becomes really, really hard to become come up with a great list of solutions. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where I think it's so, you know, so important. Yeah. So, I mean, you're the first, you're the first female to be in a global creative director role at General Mills. Talk about how that sort of informs your, your, the way you think about building your team and, and giving people a voice. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel incredibly fortunate um, to, to be in this role. I feel like it's a, it's a huge honor. And I, I've been at General Mills, you know, a very long time. And, and the reason that I do stick around is because, I do go in every day and I do learn something new. Um, that's why, like I said, I say that my team, I work for them because they're, they're my teachers. They're, they're the ones that are, that are making all of us better. Um, and so I do think, you know, I, I'm, I, I want to, you know, I've had a number of managers, men, women, kind of all, you know, I, all sorts of different people that have given me, I think really not only a chance in my career, but a confidence boost in my career. You know, I, um, I, for the longest time, for 13 years, I actually worked part-time at General Mills um, because I wanted to do a blend for me. It worked um, to be part-time and be home with my kids the other, the, the other part of the time. Um, and so I haven't had, you know, so while I've been at Mills a long time, I've kind of zigzagged in my career, but I've always had people that have watched out for me and appreciated the voice that I brought, um, which I think is probably not a, not a corporate voice. I, you know, I was a liberal arts major. I never wanted to work in business. I actually wanted to be Katie Couric. I failed miserably at that job. Um, and that's actually a whole other story that I'll tell you sometime over drinks, but (laughs) I, you know, it, it taught me that, gosh, if I can come in here and be myself, what a gift that is. How do I now do that for other people and, and, and really encourage them and set an environment for them to be themselves? Because I think when people thrive, creativity thrives. I, mm-hmm. I believe that hands down. And so whether that's because I'm a woman, whether that's just because I'm a liberal arts major, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I, I really believe that finding that unique value that each of us is able to bring and contribute um, is so powerful in, in setting up, you know, and setting up a team that way and ultimately delivering results that way. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, something you said earlier about like how brands can help solve problems for people. Right. And this doesn't always have to be a, a big societal problem, but sometimes brands do try to solve or acknowledge big societal issues and purpose is, is a big theme. Um, I guess, what is your approach to, as, as a CPG, as a food brand, what is your approach to purpose? I'm just thinking about, you know, the Walmart Juneteenth ice cream that received a lot of backlash yeah. this week. How do you avoid situations like that um, at General Mills? I think you have to, I, I think that's that's a, a great example of an attempt that probably just didn't line up with the DNA of the, the brand. I think there is a very easy inclination and I think temptation at times to be opportunistic, right? It's like, oh my gosh, um, this, you know, 
the murder of George Floyd happened, gosh, we live in Minneapolis. We have brands. We've been here forever. We really care. We want to help. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense if your brand was never, never built on that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're very careful and thoughtful to really interrogate what kind of history does your brand have and what kind of help and problems can it give? You know, as you, as you talk about, um, you know, as we talk about just the murder of George Floyd, you know, one of the brands that we did actually have um, stand up and, and take action. And it wasn't it wasn't around the George Floyd murder, but it was around racial equity it was Fruit Gushers, which I think a lot of people would be like, what? Like, that doesn't make <laughs> sense. But the thing is, Fruit Gushers has long built their marketing and partnerships on the back of black culture. And so, you know, their consumer target is multicultural teens. Their marketing has always focused on self-expression. They've partnered with a number of Black influencers from Richard Sherman to Quavo. And, you know, following the murder of George Floyd, they felt they had a responsibility to respond in support of their consumers. And, and more importantly, Gushers consumers expected them to take a stand. Um, you know, so they started by a donation of 200000 to the NAACP Youth and College Division. And then they really thought, gosh, they really want to, how do we support the people that have supported us? And so they launched Black Voices Create, which was really around teaming up with four of the most unique voices on TikTok and, mm. and helping kind of change the algorithm on TikTok so that more, more Black creators were heard and were seen. Um and it really was built on the belief that Black voices, you know, create culture, but they do so much more. They create art, they create trends, they drive movements, and most importantly, Black voices create change. And so we've continued that commitment. Um, we're actually launching a new effort this year that is on the, the backs of what we did in, in the first year. And so, and we're continuing, you know, our multi-year partnership with the NAACP Youth and College Division. And so I like that example just because it's like, again, at the surface, you're like, gushers, like what? But (laughs) as you really look back at their history and understand the brand's values, the brand DNA, it, it really holds true. And when we did that effort in year one, I mean, we just got so much support from our consumers because, again, they can sniff that out. And, mm-hmm. and so I think just being authentic to what the brand stands for and, and not having that temptation to just because you as an employee or you as a person cares doesn't mean necessarily that that should be reflected in the brands that you lead. Yeah, that's a really good point. Switching gears a little bit, um, thinking of all these brands that, that General Mills owns, like Dunkaroos and Gushers and you know, even Betty Crocker, like these are all like historical, very storied brands. I know I grew up with Dunkaroos and I definitely love the ones with the vanilla frosting. (laughs) (laughs) Totina's pizza rolls. Like how are you keeping, how are you making these brands relevant to a new generation? Yeah, no, I I mean, I love that. I think that's great. You know, it's funny because Dunkaroos, I don't know if you know this. Well, you probably know this if you're a super fan. I mean, Dunkaroos, we discontinued it. And really? Yes. Yes. For a number of years, actually. And we just brought it back probably like a year and a half ago ish. Um, and that was actually that. based on that was based on Allison. I think people like you that were like, where the, <laughs> the frick are my Dunkaroos? I love that. <laughs> <kids. laughs> and so um, 
it's funny how that brand kind of came back and literally came back from consumer demand. I mean, that was exactly what brought it back. Um, I think, you know, I think you want to continue to solve the problems of today. I think that's the, the, the way that you stay relevant. I think it's, you lose, um, you lose relevance quickly if you're focused on an outdated problem. And, and so I think brand, you know, for example, Cheerios, I mean, Cheerios, you know, is such a, Cheerios is an incredible brand if you are worried at all about your heart health. And that continues to be a problem that is striking more and more Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cheerios does it in a way that brings joy, right? So they have like heart-shaped Cheerios in February, which is obviously Valentine's Day, but also heart month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think continuing to really understand your consumers and their day-to-day lives and their real lives um, and know that food is just a small part of it. I think so. it's so easy to get caught up in our brands and be like, these brands are wonderful, and they are. But also recognizing the place that they have in consumers' lives and ensuring then that that experience, even if it's a five-minute experience, is super meaningful um, mm-hmm. and, and provides some sort of value to them. I think that's like crystal, like, I just think that's so um, critical in, in, yeah. in, in ensuring that you stay relevant. Right. For instance, like the, the gamer campaign that you were just talking about and, and as well as, as TikTok, right? Like bringing it to new channels and, and platforms where people are. Yeah, completely. And I think, you know, I always say like, yeah, there's, of course, like we're marketers, but I feel like everyone, everyone who works at General Mills is a steward of our brands and everyone at General Mills provides some sort of value in ensuring that the people that have experience with our brands have a great experience. Um, and I love having kind of everyone accountable for that versus just kind of the marketing team, you know, quote unquote. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about some, some stuff that you're working on. I know that, um, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of being authentic pride month is around the corner. And, um, I think you guys have some interesting campaigns in the works there. Well, I love, I, I, I love Pride Month because I think the thing that, um, and I think General Mills does this so well is, is, you know, our employees are our biggest stakeholder. And I think that is so important because I think if you view your employees as the number one stakeholder, your shareholders are going to benefit from that. And your consumers are going to benefit from that. And your partners are going to benefit from that. Um, and so it's interesting. We have different employee networks and, and our um, LGBTQ plus network actually is called Betty's family. And that stems from Betty Crocker. And it's funny, they met, they, the inception of that group was really back in the early 1990s when they met off campus and Betty's family network was born. Um, and we continue to be a company that just vocally and politically advocates for this community. In 2012, we were the largest company to publicly oppose the constitutional amendment to ban marriage equality in Minnesota, our home state. Um, and so I'm pr- so proud to work for a company like that. And we have we have a lot of plans for Pride this year. You know, we're hosting our 10th annual Pride reception. And this is event is not just an event for General Mills. This event is open to the entire Minneapolis and St. Paul professional community. And starts, you know, starts with a toast from our own CEO. We'll once again be participating in the Twin Cities Pride March at the end of the month. Um, and so I love this because it doesn't just conceptually support Pride, 
um, in our community, but we take actions that demonstrate mm-hmm. our support. You know, and I'm so proud to work for a company um, that does that. Yeah, I think that's critical, right? Like, I think, you know, you can't just slap a rainbow on something and say that you support the LGBTQ plus community. And I think brands that are still doing that today, like, it's 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 really too little, too late. Yeah, too little, too late and too disingenuine. You know, it just it just doesn't there's there's no ring of truth to that. So so I'm, you know, I'm so proud that like the as we as a company are like, okay, what makes the most sense for us is really to focus on our own employee base. You know, Jenner Mills is 35,000 people mm. you know, around the world. Um, and so that has, you know, that has a tremendous amount of impact. And I, I'm just, you know, if you think about inclusion as having people feel seen and people feel valued, that, you know, again, is when I think people thrive. And mm-hmm. that's when creativity thrives. So, yeah, um, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge believer of that and just really thankful to work for a company that has those those values that match with mine. Yeah, for sure. I guess I'm curious how, um, you know, General Mills is dealing with or is affected by the the talent sort of crunch that all businesses and industries are feeling in the U.S.? Like, is that impacting your ability to hire diverse teams um, to foster like that kind of that kind of uh, workforce or has it helped in any way? Well, you know, I think so. I, I think one of the one of the silver linings that came out of COVID um, is the fact that we've we've basically introduced a platform. It's called Work With Heart. And essentially what it means in shorthand is you can work from wherever you think you'll be the most productive and impactful. And I love that. And I think that is critical for a company based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, trying to recruit a diverse workforce. Mm-hmm. Because being Black in Minneapolis is not great. And so how do we ensure that we are diversifying ourselves and getting the best people and the best experiences and the best different perspectives in a way that doesn't require people to physically relocate to Minneapolis. Mm. Um, and so I made it you know, really clear on my team that people can be wherever they need to be. They just need to get their job done. And I trust that they will get their job done. And, and I think that has, that approach has really unlocked diversity um, for, for, and, and allowed people to consider a company that they may not have considered in the past um, simply because they didn't want to make the move. Um, right. And, and so I feel like that is helpful because I think I think every you know, I think all companies are feeling um, the, the, the talent crunch. And I, you know, there's the hiring of people and then there's just also the retaining of people, which I am very mindful of because uh-huh. I, you know, have amazing people surrounding me and I really want to ensure one, that they feel seen, but two, that they're set up to make the greatest impact possible. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, circling back to your, your leadership approach, like empathy, flexibility, democratization, I think these are all things that the future workforce is going to demand. Um, And so I think that a lot of creative leaders can learn a lot from this from this conversation we just had. So thank you so much for joining me, Melissa. Oh, thanks so much, Allison. It was so great just to be able to talk to you. And, and um, I'm glad we were able just to kind of talk about everything that's happening in this world, too. And and, you know, and I think the the power of hope is still very much alive.
And I know that I feel that and, and, and hope that we all can have a voice in that going forward. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Of course. And yeah, hope everyone out there is doing okay. But um, thanks again. Take care. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.